0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. You have your Bibles. Go ahead and turn them over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, we are going to continue on in this Encourage You. We finished up. Uh, The first epistle or letter uh, to this church and uh, hopefully we're encouraged and challenged with several different things from that. Um, This second letter before we get into it, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a a history and background. This second letter was written probably within 12 months of uh, the first letter that he sent And it was probably somewhere uh, in the the early 50s A.D. that this was sent. And so, um, again, you're going to see as as we go through this that Paul was addressing some of the things that, both in response to the letter that they received and also the word that he got back uh, from that report uh, when the letter was sent to the Thessalonians, uh, uh, the Christians there. And so, um, one of the main things was this concern over the day of the lord and we're going to see that again in this letter but uh, he's already kind of talked to them about that again the first letter addressing it uh, there in chapter four and chapter five and talking about the you know the coming of the lord is is going to be with a shout with the trump of of an archangel archangel and and um, and so that caused a little more concern for some of them so he's going to address a little bit of that Um, And also the the reminder of the duties and the responsibilities uh, that they had uh, as a church. And so uh, let's pray and I want to jump right into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us again to be here. Thank you for your word and the opportunity we have to uh, go through this and this lesson tonight and the the couple of points of encouragement that we have. I pray that they would hit our hearts and hit our minds and we would uh, grab hold of them and apply them in our lives immediately. Um, Lord, we, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be honored, not only in this service and through this message, God, but from our response to, to your word and this message, God, um, moving forward. And I pray as we are seeking unity at a, at a higher level in this church this year, uh, that this would, would be another message that would encourage that even more. And again, we pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, that we would open our eyes and ears to hear your word. Your spirit would have free reign and you would be the one that's exalted in this place. And we'll praise you for it, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to share this again. I've um, talked about this in uh, a couple other letters that we've, we, we've gone through on Wednesday nights and, and back when we had a want to switch on Sunday nights. Uh, but you notice that order, grace and peace. It's, it's always in that order that Paul is going to address uh, the believers. And the reason is not primarily because of this, but one of the reasons is that we can't have peace with God until we've experienced the grace of God. And so the grace of God comes first, then we experience the peace of God. And so again, Paul, in this greeting, in this um hello to them is saying look i'm extending this to you this is the heart this is the mind this is the motive this is the sincerity that i'm coming to you in and writing this letter with grace and peace that they already had with god so this is the tone of his letter uh it's not scorching it's not uh chastising he's coming in a way to teach them something very important that they need to hold on to so look at verse three we're bound to thank god always for you brethren As it is meet because of that your faith, or because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you, all toward each other, aboundeth. Now, look at that again. He says, We're bound to give thanks to God for you, or always for you. Brothers and sisters, church, we're bound to give thanks for you, and it's meet. And the reason why he says this is because their faith is growing exceedingly. Not only that, but the charity, the love that they have, every one of them, for all of them, aboundeth, is is overflowing in every one of their lives. Now, Now, think about that. This is a report that Paul has received from this church he's already wrote a letter to. You remember uh, the the story that happened there. Paul and and his missionary team were there in Thessalonica, and they got ran out of town, right? And the the persecution continued on in that church. And even in his first letter, he had gotten word that their faith was still growing and increasing, even and in spite of this great persecution that was going on in the city for the believers. And so he's now, even a year later, still getting reports that the believers in the city are still facing great persecution. We're going to see them in just a second. Going through great difficulty, and yet still their faith is growing in, in, by leaps and bounds, we would say today. Not only their faith is growing by leaps and bounds, but their love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ is overflowing in every single one of their lives. And we talked about this Sunday, when we were talking about this unity, this, uh, this oneness that, that Christ prayed for, that his vision for the church was and is, And that's what it should look like for us. We should look at each other as brothers and sisters, and our love for each other should overflow. It should continue to abound. Every time we see each other, it should just continue to overflow and abound more and more and more. But I hear this, and I read this testimony, and I think, man, what a beautiful-sounding church. I mean, you look at this, and and Paul, the apostle, is, is essentially wowed, by this church's testimony that they have this report that they have he's saying man we're we're bound to give thanks to god always for you and it's right for us to do so because your faith we hear that your faith is growing exceedingly and your love for each other is abounding Amen. and you think hearing a church with that type of testimony with that type of um you know membership and 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 faith and and love you might think man this has got to be a a church that has everything right." This has got to be a church that all the members must have everything going right in their lives. Nobody's sick. Nobody's dealing with family problems. Nobody's family members are sick. Nobody's dealing with marital problems or children or or anything. This this church must just have everything right because how can can a church wow the Apostle Paul so greatly with amazing faith and amazing love? They must have everything just going their way. They have, they have to have all the comfort that they would ever want in each of their lives to have that kind of love for each other, to have that kind of faith. I mean, just to continue to have their faith stirred up and not be discouraged, not be downtrodden, not feel like giving up. They've got to have everything comfortable and going their way. That, that, that's the only way it could make sense for this church to have such great growing faith and such abounding love for each other. They must not have anything wrong going on in their lives. Right, Because I think in our minds we sometimes picture that's, that would be the perfect church experience. That would be the perfect church membership, church body existence. Is that everybody in the church, including me, I, ourselves, nothing wrong, everything wonderful. And that way it's easy to grow in our faith. We have nothing to stress about, nothing to worry about, nothing to fret about. None of those things to, to, to deal with. So we can just focus on growing our faith and loving each other. It would be very very presumptuous of us to think that. But I think that maybe in our Americanized minds, that's kind of how we envision the perfect church. Is where I have nothing wrong and nobody else has anything wrong. And we just gather together and everything's amazing. And we love each other and we're all growing like superheroes in our faith. I mean, we are like, I mean, you look at us, and we become, we're becoming spiritual giants right before each other's eyes because everything's wonderful. I, I think that's maybe our, our mindset in America. That's a wrong mindset, and that's not a, at all what was going on in the Thessalonian church there in Thessalonica. We're going to see that in just a second, but look at it again. Look at that verse again. They were compelled to thank God. It, it had... It had gripped them. It had gripped the Apostle Paul, their missionary team, so that every time they turned around, the Bible says always, always, every time they were thinking around, man, praise God for those Thessalonians. Man, that's so awesome to hear that. They'd go maybe a little bit further serving God, and uh, praise the Lord, man, that is just so encouraging to hear that they are growing in their faith. So, I mean, can you, I mean, this guy and, and this lady, you remember that family? They were going through so much. They were new Christians, and, and man, they were, they, they were still just perse- persevering. And, and now to hear that they're, they're teaching Sunday school, and, and, and they're still dealing with all those problems, and they're still growing, and, and, man, they're loving. And remember those people that were at odds with each other before they got saved? And, and I mean, they were exceeding. They were, they were giving thanks to God always for this exceeding faith and abounding love. And tonight I look at that verse and and I think, you know what, this should be our encouragement. This should be Trinity Baptist Temple's testimony. This should be it. Number one, our growing faith and our increasing love for each other should be evident. And we could go on to other sub points to say that it it stirs up other churches to give thanks to God always, that it... Uh, sets an example for other churches. We could do all those things, but it was evident to those sur- in Thessalonica. It was evident to those in the surrounding areas. It was, and it made its way to the Apostle Paul that this is what the church was. This is who the church was there in Thessalonica. And it again should be who we are. When people come to this place, they should say, man, it's not just those new Christians that are on fire. It's those Christians that have been Christians for 30 and 40 years that know the word of God, that have been in church. They're growing in their faith still. They've not become stagnant uh, pew sitters. They're growing in their faith. They are growing even into greater giants of the faith. The, the, the new ones are, are thirsty and hungry, and they're, they're talking to the older Christians, and they're soaking up everything they can do, and they're growing by leaps and bounds as well. And, man, you walk into that place, and they are loving on each other. I mean, their words, their actions, their, their body language is just lo- the love of God permeating in their relationships and permeating in that place. And every time I go back, it seems like, man, I don't know how much more love can be there. That should be our testimony. That's, right. That's the way it should be. Look at those two things for just a second, though. Their faith had grown exceedingly. Now, most of us have taken science, and I know there's kids in here that are taking science, and we all have an idea that natural things have a, a, a natural, or living things have a natural growth process. Um, every living thing does. There's a process of growth that it goes through and for it to continue to grow it has to have a healthy growth process whether it's a baby whether it's a plant and even in God's design even if it's a baby Christian all are designed to grow but we know sometimes that growth doesn't occur I mean you look at a plant sometimes and uh, it's dead it's in that pot it's in that flower bed it's dead Um, you, 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 you sometimes see that in, in babies. You see that in, in, in the animal world. Um, sometimes they just don't grow. Sometimes they're, they're, they're underdeveloped. Sometimes they don't, uh, they're, they just don't grow in a normal, healthy way. And again, you see that even in Christianity with, with Christians. But when growth isn't occurring, right? And, and healthy growth isn't there. You have to know all of us know something's wrong. Something's wrong. You know, we, we, we look at um, a plant in a, in a garden and you got the same two plants next to each other. This one's growing, this one's not growing. And immediately you know something happened to this plant or something attacked this plant or this plant is not getting something that this plant is obviously getting. Something's wrong. It's impeding its normal health process or growth process. You look at something that has a stunted growth. You say, well that animal's a lot smaller than the rest of the animals. I mean, it's, it, they're out of the same litter. That's the runt. Something happened, or, or that one looks underdeveloped, or that one, there's something missing, or something has affected it. And mo- most of the time when we look at that, we say, well, there's several different things. That, there's a reason of this. Uh, disease got a hold of that plant, or disease got a hold of that animal or there's a deformation, there's a malformation, uh, there's, there's something that's going on there, there's an irritant. Um, you know, you can look at plants sometimes and it's because something else has touched that plant or that leaf and has irritated it and has not allowed it to grow properly. Then on the other side, we look at it and so say, maybe it's not something that has affected it and contaminated it, maybe it's lacking something, maybe it's not getting the right nutrients, maybe it's not getting uh, enough water Maybe it's not getting enough air, oxygen. Or maybe it's not getting enough sun, S-U-M. Maybe it's not getting enough food because it has to have that too. Maybe it's not having enough interaction with others because it's been proven that even in babies, they have to have interaction with others. In plants, they thrive with interaction. So do Christians. It's the way that God designed it. So in spiritual terms, we could look at it and say, maybe worldly influence has contaminated. Maybe false teaching has come along and touched one of the leaves. Maybe sin. Maybe busyness, lack of care. Maybe it's because there's not enough nutrients like the Word, not enough food like the Word, or maybe there's not enough spiritual nutrients like prayer. Maybe there hasn't been enough flushing with the water of the Word, cleansing by the water of the Word, or enough filling of the Spirit, enough air for the Christian. Maybe there's not been enough exposure to the sun, S-O-N. But again, maybe too much walking in the flesh, maybe too much worldly pursuit, not enough maybe preaching or teaching in the Word of God. And then also maybe not enough right fellowship, With others. See, faith, belief in Jesus Christ, saving faith, isn't a static thing. It's not something that, well, I got saved, I believe in Jesus Christ. It's not something, it it is a one-time thing as far as our justification goes. But faith in every sense of the word is an action word. Therefore, it's a living faith. It's a living hope that grows, supposed to be, by healthy spiritual means. And that's exactly what Scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again, listen to this, unto a lively hope. That word lively means living. To a living hope. That word hope is a, that confident expectation is, is the word faith, pieces. It's, it's, the, it's the, this absolute confidence in Jesus Christ has, has, has given us a living hope, Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Or by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So our faith should not only be evident, but it should be evident that it's growing. That that we are getting closer to the Lord. That we we are drawing nigh to him. Day after day. But not only that, again they have this increasing faith. And that should be evident in our lives as well. This increasing, um, increasing, not faith, but increasing love for each other. Paul's charge to this church and this prayer for them was that it would be evident that they had this love for each other abounding. And obviously they had heeded that. Because this is what he says that he's getting this report back in the second epistle. But if we flip back to the first epistle and you look in 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, I think. Yeah, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12. That's what he says. He said, I charge you, you know, that that the Lord would make you abound in love toward each other, that you would grow in your love for each other. Again, the report was that they had a growing love for each other. But how was this happening? How was their love for each other growing? How how, how was the faith that they had, their their walk with the Lord, how was that growing in their life? Again, we look at them and say, was it... Because they had everything lined up in their life, everything perfect in their life. They had this all laid out. This is the way my life is going to go. Is that how that they were experiencing this growth in faith or this abounding love towards each other? Was it because everything and everyone was living in this comfort? With no problems, no struggles. Is that how they obtained it? Let's look on verse 4 back in our text. Okay, so we we thank God always because of this and so he goes on and says so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and your faith. Look at this right here. In all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Verse 5. Which is a manifest and evident and obvious token of the righteous judgment of god that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of god for which you also suffer i don't i don't know if you got what he just said he said but you know what we are going around to all the churches as well and we're boasting about the kind of faith and patience and love that you have it's an example for everybody and and we're sharing that with all the churches that that we go around to Because you have this growing faith, you have this patience, you have this this love for each other in the midst of all your persecutions. And not just because we think, well, that's different. They were living in a day that they were persecuted for the faith. He didn't stop at persecutions. Look what else he said. And tribulations. All the normal, worldly, family, marital, children, financial, all the other trials that you're going through in your life as well as being persecuted for your faith. Look, we think that we have a hard life to live in America. These people had everything that we go through. Sickness, marriage problems, health problems, financial problems, all those things, and people wanted to kill them because they believed in Jesus Christ. People people wanted to stop them and to not let them live out their faith. And we think that, man, we go through something big in this life. I just don't know if I can keep following Christ. What kind of faith is that? That can't be proven by the trial. That can't be tested by the trial. Paul's saying, you guys are the real deal. You guys have an amazing faith, an abounding love, and, and, and we're boasting about it because you still have it, even through all the persecution that you deal with. I mean, I left you there. They they ran me out of town and I left you there and they kept persecuting you and you still have a growing faith and an abounding love. You're not getting bitter. You're not giving up. You're not stopping. You're growing. You're thriving. You're healthy and you're you're experiencing everything that God wants you to experience in in your life together. I wonder why we miss out on so much. Maybe it's because we're so easily pulled aside through just the tribulations without the persecution. You know, I've said years ago, the bubble will burst eventually. Here it will. I mean, that's the cycle of nations. I hope it doesn't happen in our lifetime. I hope my children and your children, I hope we don't have to experience And That's just a selfish desire. But there's part of me as a pastor and part of me as a, as a Christian in America that sees this this apathy towards the things of god this complacency towards the kingdom of god that says you know what there's part of me that wants a stirring and that's a nervous wanting too because i want the great things of god and i want them more than i want comfort but that tries my flesh as well because i don't want to see my wife or children or family or any of you go through anything bad like that that's again a selfish thing but i'm saying this if it would stir the children of God for the kingdom of glory and the glory of God to see something supernatural happen, I don't know. I think that's partially what we need because, again, it, it just takes that really, well, Brother Kyle, this is a really big trial. Okay. Amen. Believers in Jesus Christ have been going through it since the beginning of the church. And they had to deal with something that we have no idea about as well. I mean, Paul, if you look in Galatians, he, he, he goes to the Galatian believers and he tells them, look, you know how I came to you and, 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 and with my infirmity, and, and I know that you would have plucked out your own eyes to help me with my infirmity. He says, I think in, in Corinthians, that he, that he asked the Lord three times to deliver him this, this thorn in the flesh that Satan had, had, had sent, you know, this, this uh, messenger had been sent to buffet uh, Paul. asked God to remove it three times, this thorn in the flesh, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Christians have been dealing with, again, illnesses and, and financial struggles and, and, and health issues and family problems and, and all that stuff. They've been dealing with those things for years. But again, also when they gather together, is somebody going to come in and haul us off to prison and our lives as we know it cease the 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 health and well-being of of my wife of my husband of my children is in jeopardy because they too are following jesus christ it's a different level so part of the encouragement is this the next time that we begin to get weary in the trial or weary in the tribulation, weary in the test of the normal things that we go through in this life, the Bible says that. Jesus said, in this life, you shall have tribulation. That's what Jesus said. You're gonna go through trials because sin exists and you're still in this sin-ridden world and the effects of sin are there. The, the, the body's gonna die. Uh, you know, there's, it's run by commerce, it's run by greed. There's all those things in the world. You're gonna go through those things. But Paul's saying, look, we're, we're glorying in all the churches for you because your patience and your faith is still solid and growing even in all of your persecution and all your tribulations that you're enduring through, that you're not giving up through. You're pressing on through. You're, you're still growing in your faith through these things. How easily do we get knocked to the side even in some of the most easiest of Christian commands to follow. One of the most easy things that we can do because it's a a, a tradition, a custom, a routine for many, um, and I'm speaking in worldly, speaking in in, in fleshly terms, is gathering together. The church has been doing it for thousands of years. We have set times that we do it. I mean, and, and again, it's in God's Word. It's commanded. Hebrews ten twenty five, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Easy. But Sometimes it's just that, that one trial, that, that little, little test, that whether it's, I'm just really weary and tired, or I'm really frustrated, I'm really overwhelmed, I really got a lot going on, I, I'm really upset with my spouse, I'm really, I got this thing, these things to do in the world. Whatever the case may be, and it can just knock us off, the easiest thing. I said to someone the other day, I think one of the major disconnects today, and and I've shared this in here before as well, is our view of gathering together as a church is completely skewed in 2018. We think more about me. That's what we think. Uh, I'm tired. I'll listen to it. I... I'll catch it later. I, I don't, I don't I'll, I'll read my Bible. I'll, it, it becomes about us when, again, we saw Sunday and you look all through scripture, it's about the us. It's about being others minded. So many times we think, I'll be all right, it's just one service. Who gave us that call? Well, oh, we liberty in Christ. Paul said all things are, Free, but all things aren't expedient. It's not about us. It's not about me. I'm not here because I think I've got something great to say. I'm not here because I think everybody needs to listen to what I I have to say. I'm not standing here and teaching and preaching this because I think I'm someone important. That's not it. I'm here because God has has called me. He's placed me in this body. And it's for us. Not just you, it's for me. It's us. It's us together. And so when we have the right mindset of, I'm in a family, I'm a member, I'm a part, others need me. Nobody needs me, nobody even knows my name. You have no idea that that's true. And God may use you in a way that you're not not even knowing that he's using you. And I'm just using church attendance just because that's one of those things, but we can go down the list of all the other things that we're so easily knocked off track with. With even the smallest of trials and tests sometimes. And again, he's saying, look, you've endured through persecutions and tribulations, and so we're, we're sharing this as a testimony to all the churches. And he goes on and says, what's is a manifest token of righteous, ju- righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God which, for which you also sur- suffer. Think about that. He's saying, look, it's, it's, it's something that you're, you're worthy to suffer for the kingdom of God. I mean, think about this. There are men and women, and some of you have done this, who have signed on the dotted line and served their four years or 10 years or 20 years for this nation, putting their lives on the line. And, and I, we, we, I saw someone, a, a gentleman today um, and, and he was ordering food, and when he was done, I, I shook his hand like I, I try to do every time. I said, Thank you for your service. People are willing to put their life on the line for the kingdom of America, for this great nation that we all love, and they are they're willing to, to go through and suffer, and, and even many of them have, had, have been put in, in, in prisons and, and tortured, been prisoners of war for the name of America, for the sake of freedom. And you know what they say? It was a worthy cause. It was worthy. But I wonder how we look at Suffering whether it be through persecution or whether it be through tribulation that we endure that that you know what i'm going through these things i'm going through this stuff i've got so much i've got i'm, I'm just overwhelmed and yet i'm continuing to follow christ and i'm continuing to grow in my love for the, for the church i'm continuing to, to, to do all those things i'm going to endure because it's worthy to, 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 to go this path it, it's worthy to suffer it's worthwhile to suffer for the kingdom of god because when we quit and give up, when we stop, when we're knocked off to the side by, by just a, 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 a trial, maybe it's a big trial, maybe it's a medium-sized trial, or even a small trial, and we get knocked off to the side, and uh, what we say is it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to keep pushing on. It's not worth it to suffer and keep going and fighting the good fight. It's not worth it. It wasn't a beautiful building. It wasn't a perfect children's ministry or youth ministry. It wasn't a perfect music ministry that cultivated their growing faith, that cultivated their increasing love. But the scripture is clear that it was all kinds. It was diverse. It was various persecutions and trials that they were going through, that they were going through together and that they were not just going through together, that they were enduring together. You know what happens when you, as a member of the body, check out when you get tested? And you say, you know what? It's just too much. I'm just not going to i'm not going to read my bible i'm not going to pray i'm not going to witness i'm not going to uh, to be faithful to church i'm not going to watch my mouth i'm not whatever you know in obedience to to, to the lord's uh, commands and, and and following after him when when a, when a trial comes along and and we check out or we get a test and we check out you, you know what it does it weakens the body And it weakens the potential increasing faith and abounding love that we are to have. And Not only that, when you check out in the middle of that trial versus enduring and staying connected to the Lord and His body, it lessens the ability or the potential for help through the Spirit to happen. We're called to endure. Why are we called to endure through trial or persecution or regardless why? Here it is. Because our faith in Christ is real. Yes, sir. And it's not dependent upon circumstances. Yes, that's why. Amen. Because if, if, if not, if, if we only follow Christ or we only connect or we only obey him or we only give our all or we only uh, seek to grow in our faith and abound in our love, when every circumstance is right, that's not real faith. That's circumstantial faith. That's I trust only if things are good. But again, we're called to endure. First, I mean, James chapter 1, verse 1 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse or various temptations, various trials, various tests, various things that you go through, whether they're uh, you know, uh, in, in your faith, in your spiritual walk, or whether they're with your health or with your marriage or with your finances or with your job or with your friends or with your whatever. He said, count it all joy. He didn't say that it was all joy. He said, you need to count it all joy when you go through various trials. When you go through these things, you need to say, you know what? Okay, God's given me the resources. He's given me everything I need to do to go through this. And, and, and I need to look at this as an opportunity. This trial, this test, this struggle, this attack, I need to look at it as an opportunity. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna joy in the opportunity That God has given me in this trial. And this is how you can joy. He said you can joy because you know this. That the testing or the trying of your faith, the proving of your faith, the trials that you go through that do that. It works patience. It develops patience in you. It, It produces patience in your life. But then he says this. And so you need to let patience have its complete cycle. Have its complete process and work in your life. Allow, allow the, the look at the trial, look at the test, realize God has something through this, an opportunity for you to grow, and so you need to count it, joy. okay, God, I don't like this. This is hard. I, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to feel. I don't know what to say. I don't know what decisions to do. I, I feel like I just need to sit here and be alone and, and, and miserable in, in this trial. I, I don't know what to do, God. He said, look, if you're there, you need to count it joy. You you need to count it as an opportunity for God to do something amazing in your life that only he can do through this process. So I I don't want it to be that way. That's just how it works. Because when we get everything that, that we want our way, you know what we get? America in 2018. And that's the mess. We're living for comfort. We're living for, for, for that. And that's not what we're called to live for as Christians. We have a higher calling. We have an upward calling. We have this higher purpose that we exist on this earth for. So he says, let patience have this complete work that, that, that you may be perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. That you will be complete and you'll have nothing that you're lacking in your spiritual life. That you'll have nothing that you're lacking in your life. You know, let the process go on. Don't give up. Don't quit, don't get disenchanted, don't disengage, don't, you know, don't uh, get a bad attitude, don't get bitter, count it joy, and keep enduring, keep pressing, let the, let the process of God, that only the process of God can accomplish in you through this. And he goes on and says this, and if you're at that place where you don't have answers, you don't know what to do, and you don't know where to go, and you're struggling, and you're there, and you're lacking the wisdom to make it through this trial, ask God. That's what he says in verse 5. And God gives to all men who ask him liberally. And he doesn't chastise us for it. He doesn't say, you should know that. He doesn't. He says, look, if you're there, you're going through it, and you need wisdom, ask God for wisdom. And that's the mess that we get ourselves in so many times. We think we have the knowledge of the the word of God. We we think we say these prayers to God and sometimes token prayers to God and that God should, just because of his great love, he should should fix our situation when sometimes it's the matter of God's work in us through that trial that we're missing. And all we need to do is say, God, teach me. Give me wisdom. What do you want me to do through this? How, How do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Give me your wisdom. I don't want to mess this up, so I need your wisdom. And the promise is, the last part of verse 5, and it shall be given him. But look what he says. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Don't don't think that when you ask God, say, well, if God's going to give me this wisdom, don't even ask it then. Don't even ask for the wisdom. If you're not confident and know that the God who breathed out the stars and created everything and gave you life and is sustaining your life even right now, if you don't think that he can give you what you need wisdom-wise to go through the trial in a successful way, let's define that again. Success doesn't mean easy, comfortable, the way you want things. But in a successful way, if you want that, then you've got to ask and know he'll give it to you. Knowing that it might take a little seeking. It might take a little knocking. It might not just come at that very moment, the microwave Christianity mentality that we have. I press the button. I ask God for wisdom. Why do not I have it? Seek and knock and continue. He says to, to, in Jeremiah to the Israelites, he said, you know, you know when you're going to find me? When you seek, with, seek for me. With all of your heart, and sometimes that's where we miss out. We just say, "God, I need wisdom. I don't want to deal with this. I have too much going on. I can't do this. My, my kids can be this. My, my 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 work situation. I can't, I can't lose my job. I you know, God, fix this now." And God's like, "That's it. That's our relationship." How about you pursue me? I pursued you to the grave how about you pursue me with all of your heart i want to show you things that you you don't even see and you couldn't even receive but if you'll pursue me says don't 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 ask if you're not going to ask in faith because if you do says he that wavers like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed don't let it says because let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the lord because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you think, I trust God when everything's good. I don't trust God when everything's bad. I, I trust God when things are my way. I don't trust God when things are not my way. He said, that man's not going to receive anything of God. It's trusting God, period. It's, do you trust God? Yes. Then you can ask God for wisdom when you're going through trial, and he'll give it to you. That's what the promise is. But if you're unstable in your faith and your trust in God... He said, let not that man think that he'll receive anything from God. You've got to have confidence, the same confidence that you had when you said, you know what? Jesus is the only way. I have absolute confidence that 2,000 years ago, he came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross, a miserable death that I should have died. He was put in a grave, and three days later, he rose again. Despite the amazing and and mystery that that is, that God became man, and he was 100% God, 100% man, And he paid for my sins and the sins of the whole world and and that he actually got up that body that was dead. God didn't die, but the body that he uh, was in died, was put to death. And that body revived to full life, a glorified state. I have no problem believing that at all. I believe that 100%. Not like a Sunday school lesson, not like a mythical uh, story, not some movie Hollywood came up with. I believe it 100% it actually happened. No doubt. If I have that much faith and that much confidence in something so amazing, in, in the world's term profound, how can I not think that he could give me wisdom in the midst of my trial? And how can I not just continue to pursue and follow him and, and, and live for him, even in the midst of trials and persecutions? And that's exactly what he was saying. If you have faith in God to save you, to save your soul from eternity, what if... Ooh, what if, that, what if that's wrong? What if he doesn't? So why are you asking that? I'm, I'm not worried that he won't. But if your faith is there, if that's the kind of faith, well, I, I think God will save him. Nope. It's a no-so faith. It's a no-so salvation. There's no doubt in my mind that when I die or if he comes back, I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to the lake of fire. And it's not because of me. It's all because of him. Amen. It's that kind of faith. It's that assurance. I said, you know what, that's why I'm going to keep pursuing Christ. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how difficult my life becomes, no matter how many questions I have and lack of answers that I have, I'm just going to keep pursuing God and keep asking him for wisdom through all the difficulty because I trust him and I trust him alone. He was saying, "This is what you need to do." And he goes on to say, let not, uh, let the brother of low degree, of humble circumstances, the poor, and, and, and bad situations, rejoice in that he's exalted. He's got a different station in life. He's got a different eternal destination. But the rich, in that he's made low, his riches, his his fame, his his social status, is not going to remain forever. He says that because the flower of the grass, uh, uh, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. Again, all of the social prominence, fame, wealth, pass away. Just like wildflow- uh, wildflowers in the sun. The sun's no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. Even as beautiful as that flower was, and as amazing and, 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 and captivating as it was, it still will perish and die. No matter how rich and famous and, and, and how uh, glorified in this world any, any person ever gets, that will perish. That's what he's saying. So also shall the rich man fade away in all his ways. So hope in the eternal, in the eternal God. Despite any earthly station or uh, status or, or trial, hope in the eternal is one true evidence of saving faith. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Blessed is the man that has the testimony like the Thessalonian believers. Who endures t- temptation. Who, what does that mean? What is, endures temptation? Here it is. Blessed is the person, the child of God, who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed. Because when he's tried, he, re- he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So what happens when you go through something difficult with someone? When you've been in, in difficult situations on a, on a football field or in, in a job, or you've, you've worked right along some with somebody and something went terribly wrong and, and, and you persevered through, and you, and you worked through it and you solved it, and you, and you got through it, whether it's in marriage or whether it's, again, at a job, or, or whether it's a brother or sister in, in, in the church, or you, you, you've been through difficult times together, and, and, and you get through them, and you work through them, what happens? You learn and you grow. And, and you do that together, and you become stronger together. And again, that's what it's supposed to look like in marriage. But that's also what it's supposed to look like in a strong church. That we're not just giving up when things get difficult, that we're not just disappearing whenever trials come. That we're enduring together, and we're pulling through this together. Everything, everything that we're going through, we're pushing through together. The same thing concerning love. When you have the same heart, same mindset that we're working from, that we're supposed to have, when we all have that same mindset, same heart set, and we're all doing that same thing, you can go through great trials, and yet your love for each other and our love for each other will and should grow. Again, that's what it looks like in marriage. But if you're on two different paths, you don't have the same mindset and heart set, you go through difficult times; it tears you apart. Same thing happens in church. That's why we've got to have that same mindset and heart set. Everything that is worthwhile takes time, effort, and sacrifice. I've said that many times, and I can attest to that both in my life. I can attest to that both in what I've seen and experienced, just outwardly. I can attest to that all throughout Scripture. Everything that's worthwhile takes time, effort, and sacrifice. Why didn't Jesus Christ come, be born, and the next day die and rise again? Because he was, he was going through the natural process. He was investing. He would eventually sacrifice to birth a church. It was worthwhile. Pick up one of these guitars. Don't do it, please. But I mean, <laughs> grab a guitar. And if you've never played a guitar, try to sit down and play a song, a five-minute song, having never played the guitar before, or a similar stringed instrument. I encourage you to do it. And see if you can last two minutes without stopping. Right, Brother Robert? I said, what's the big deal? (coughs) Try it. No, don't try it, because then you're going to get mad at me. Again, most likely you won't last two minutes, maybe even not a minute, before your fingers tell you to stop. They will. They'll be screaming, and they will be on fire, and you would start getting mad at me. Why did he tell us to do this? This hurts so bad. But listen to this, and I'm going to close. You'll never, never hear the completion of a beautifully composed song, unless you push through that pain every day. Unless you continue to endure through that pain. And you know what happens, as you every day push through that pain, your fingers are screaming and telling you to stop, they're saying, why are you doing this? This sounds miserable, this hurts, this is not fun, or pleasant to the ears, this is is not good. But if you keep pressing on, knowing that it's worthwhile, believing that it'll be worth it in the end, you know what happens? Growth in the area of trial happens. Everybody pretty much knows them as calluses. growth that wasn't there because of the trial because of the the pressure and the stress and the and the pain endure through the pain knowing that it's worthwhile in the end that this this beautiful composition is is awaiting there if you do that then you'll be equipped to press through and experience the beauty on the other side of the trial you'll be able to play that five-minute song. It's that with everything that's worthwhile. Everything. A strong church, a strong marriage, a growing faith, an increasing love. It's worthwhile because it's what the Lord desires. Not only that, it enhances our lives together. Again, we looked at it in the beginning and thought, man, that sounds like a perfect church to be a part of that's exactly right not only that but it tells the world outside that's in darkness that the body of Christ is real and it's alive and it's the kingdom listen please listen it's the kingdom that's not controlled or destroyed by circumstances that come against them that's what it tells the world those people are unshakable those people are unmovable Those people are unstoppable. And it's not because of their own power, because I've seen them cry. I've seen them hurt. I've seen them struggle. And there's something in them together and individually that is supernatural. It keeps them pushing on. So we should endure. And we should purge ourselves from the sin and the contaminants that keep us from feeding on right spiritual food and water And we should make sure that we're having plenty of daily exposure to the sun, S-O-N. And that we have, and we're ensuring that we have interaction as often and as much as possible with others. As it ensures our health as well. Why? So that God himself is pleased with the church of the Fort Worthians at Tr- Trinity Baptist Temple. That's right. Number two, our growing faith and increasing love for each other comes through enduring trials. It comes through effort, and it comes through sacrifice. That's how we're going to have that. That's right. and so I know there's a lot of people going through a lot of things in here. And even as a church, we've got a lot of stuff going on. But I want to encourage you tonight, and hopefully you're encouraged by this testimony of, of this Thessalonian church. Who was not only going through trials, difficulties that every single one of us is going through, and I don't even know that. I mean, maybe their difficulties and their trials that they were going through, um, you know, almost 2,000 years ago. Maybe their health problems were way worse because they didn't have the medicine that we have, or the doctors that we have, or that the, maybe their maybe their health situation was way worse than ours. And so I think, oh man, they couldn't be going through what I'm going through. They could be going through worse back then. Finances. America is the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. I guarantee you they have no idea. They, their finances were completely different. Their lifestyles completely different than ours. Even in our worst state. So when we start thinking about our trials and we start thinking about getting weary in our faith, we start thinking about not enduring through our struggle. Just know it's it could be way worse both in the trial and with persecution added on top of the trials. And again, if our faith is real, we can't allow circumstances to stop us. Let's endure. Let's let's have these things that we saw tonight. Uh, Increasing faith and abounding love. If you'll stand tonight just for a few minutes, I want to give you an opportunity to respond, for us to respond. And uh, I pray that you do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this reminder tonight and this encouragement, this challenge, this charge. And God, as I prayed earlier, I pray you start with me. I, I want to continue to grow and abound uh, in faith and love. Um, I, I, I want to endure, um, and, and I pray that you would help all of us to do that. God, I, I believe there's something great in store for us as a church. But my concern is that we'll get in our own way. That, that will be the source of it not happening. And, and I pray that we would just determine, every single member of this church would determine, it won't be me. It won't be me. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be of one mind and one heart. I'm going I'm to grow in faith. I'm going to increase in love. I'm going to do everything I can to endure. Lord, help us to have this, so we can see you do something great. So you'll be glorified, Lord. Let our life here together would be worth it. Bring, bring glory to your name. I ask you to just move now. We ask all this in Jesus' name.